Welcome back to The Education Game. We are so excited to bring on Tori Gaddis. And I'll just, Tori, I'll just let the viewers know, we just had a 20-minute conversation. I forgot to press record. It was a fantastic conversation. We're now going to recreate it, Tori, okay? We're going to do our best to recreate it. Go. None of you could see the amazing magic that just happened in the last 20 minutes. It would have changed your lives, but... Sorry. We're going to recreate on. it. It's just like baking a cake. We just have to do this. We got the same ingredients. All right. Same recipe. Let's do so, it. So we'll start, Tori. Uh, Tori's an edupreneur um, and has done a bunch of stuff in education, always kind of pushing the envelope of what's possible, trying to transform education, trying to create environments that are for, for learners rather than environments that are for adults on the school side. And so, um, Tori... Do me a favor. Give me a, a bit about the two projects uh, that you're working I know you're working on more than two, but the two that are kind of most front and center, uh, the Be Someone app and then WhenSchoolsNotWorking.com. And uh, give us a quick rundown of those two real quick, please. I would say my major projects are working with Nobel Explorers. Andrew Sachs, I believe, he was on your show recently. Yes. And then uh, and I listened to that fantastic show. And uh, the Be Someone app, which is um, – and then the when, when School's Not Working is a webcast. We have – uh, seven o'clock central on Mondays. Uh, you can find it at whenschoolsnotworking.com and, and, and sign up there and you'll get reminders by email with the link and everything. But it's basically, uh, uh, there's four of us on a panel. You can ask us questions when school's not working for your family, any question you like. Um, we find that there's just a lot of parents that are frustrated, but have no idea where to turn or where to, 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 to look. And we're just happy to kind of try to point them in, in, in good directions. Yeah. So that's the, the webcast, the, um, the Be Someone app. Do you want me to go in depth on that now, or would yeah, you like well, to just give us give us a sense about why you what is it why you started it, and then we'll talk about kind of the demand side sure. of it as well. Yeah. yeah. So um, it it it's an uh, an Instagram of project based learning. It's an app aimed at teens where they can upvote cool looking projects that yeah. they are interested in that develop really good skills, and then try to convince you know their friends to vote it, and then eventually try to convince their teachers to maybe switch out some of the less engaging parts of their curriculum for these really fun, engaging skill building projects. Um, and, and it has a skill tracking framework on top of it based on, on Gardner's multiple intelligences. So um, I'll list them real quick. We, we, we call it the mindful self, the servant leader, uh, the critical thinker and problem solver, the mm. compelling communicator and the creative maker. Uh, those each map to one of Gardner's multiple intelligences and, and skill building for each of those. So, um, the students can do different projects, track their skills, and uh, try to make their, their education experience a lot more exciting. Um, the background came out of, of I have a long background in alternative education, micro schools, and so forth. And I was trying to bring over the best pieces of that to the 95% of students that are really still stuck in traditional education systems. And, and the projects um, really are the, 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 if you had to pick one element, that's it. These really good collaborative projects. Nice. High quality projects. Yeah, yeah, and we we also talked in the in the previous twenty minutes about how micro schools are any time that a, a a group of people like again a group of folks operating outside of the school system right are are yes. collaborating and so tell me how the be someone app um, fits into that type of environment again like what maybe help me understand how how you're trying to drive demand for a different type of educational model. Right. So um, the, the quick background on microschools is that the education world is known for decades that project-based learning is sort of a superior way for students to really be engaged and learn these sort of real-world skills around collaborative problem-solving. 
Um, but the knock against project-based learning is that it's not so great for things like core skills around math, grammar, vocabulary, spelling, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And so schools have stuck with the traditional lecture-based approach and, you know, drill and kill homework type approaches. Um, but in the last few years, these amazing e-learning programs have come along. Khan Academy is probably the most popular one, but there are lots of them out there now. And people have discovered that you can put students on these for a couple hours a day. They get their core math, spelling, grammar, some of these sorts of skills. Um, but then they can spend the rest of the day on really engaging, fun projects. And they get a hybrid best of both worlds. And when you run a school that way, you suddenly realize, well, wait a second. Now that the e-learning programs meet each child where they are in their particular development, I no longer need to keep the third graders together and the fourth graders together and the fifth graders together. They can all be in one big group uh, because the e-learning will meet them where they are. And then as long as they're within about a four to five year age range, they can collaboratively work on projects together. And so now you can have a school with eight kids, 10 kids around a four or five year age range um, and grow it as high as some of the micro schools get as high as 100 kids, typically say three cohorts of 30 or something like that. Um, that's, that's sort of the Acton model. Different schools do it different ways, but, um, the limit of what you would put in a studio is the same as a classroom. It's about 25 or 30. It's how many you can productively engage in a single Socratic dialogue. But, um, that it, it's really opened up this private school, micro school approach. Uh, they're, they're spreading up all over the country, all over the world, and they can be much more affordable because people can do them out of their home or out of a church or a community center. It really just takes one adult, one or two adults and a few dozen kids, and you really got a school going. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a really exciting development. Scott, so, Tori, to- uh, when do we get public money involved in these endeavors? So I, I, I love the, the micro school uh, model. I actually think that the micro school model might, might be the next iteration uh, after the 30-year uh, love affair that we had with charter schools. Um but what, what I know is, so on two levels, one, uh, unless you have public money infused in some of these, there are going to be a lot of at-risk families that are not going to be able to access it. And number two, for families like myself, I think all of us uh, on this podcast, uh, we're still paying into the public system. And so there's got to be some discomfort there. That, uh, yeah, you can send your kid to a, a micro school, but you still have to pay your school taxes. Oh, and by the way, there's also this tuition assigned with the micro school. What's your thinking about public funding coming into the micro school space? I'm a huge fan of it. I hope it starts to become more and more politically realistic. I would say Florida and Arizona seem to be on the leading edge with this. Um, there's a set of micro schools out there called Prenda in Arizona that have been very successful. They're essentially charter micro schools. So they are public funded and they are free to the families. Um, they have found a nice little niche in the Arizona educational legal system where they can get, get public funding for the students. Um, and then Florida has recently dramatically increased their ability for low income students, disadvantaged students to get, to get essentially vouchers. Um, and so there's some developments with micro schools going on there. Um, my hope is that more and more states will go this direction, especially if they see success in the states that are doing it. That's really the ultimate thing that's going to push this is when a few states do it, they start getting great results. They start their, you know, raving families, happy families, uh, thriving kids. 
and other states won't be able to ignore it anymore. They'll have to say, you know, they're, they'll have their citizens asking for the same, hey, wait, you know, especially when they move, right? I'm in Florida. I love it. I'm moving to Texas or to wherever else. And why can't I do this anymore? So um, I'm hoping it's the beginning of a movement that will continue to grow. Well, and, you know, anytime we start talking about policies, I, I start to go, wow, uh, uh, I start to disengage from that conversation because it seems like there's just so many adult institutional partners that have something to lose from changing that I just have well, little confidence that's going to change. But what I do think is going to change are things like this. I talked about this in the intro. This is a it's a learning pod that was set up not far from my house. Um, uh, it's called what is it called? Uh, Black Girl Magic School, which I think is a fantastic name. That's awesome. And uh, I reached out to the person that set this up and I invited her, I haven't connected with her yet, but I invited her to maybe sit down on a conversation like this. She, I'd be willing to bet because I've talked to thousands of families, is saying we're going to do this model during COVID, but then when school gets back to normal, we're going to go back to the system uh, that, you know, that they came from. But what you're describing, Tori, is that they can maintain this model, which again, they're raving about. They're loving it. The kids are blossoming in, way, blossoming in ways that they weren't before. They can continue it because of what you're talking about. These micro schools are now possible for a group of five or six families to actually make it work without breaking the bank, right? Absolutely. Especially if, if the parents are willing to chip in and do some of the, the guiding um, as opposed to hiring professional instructors, which is where most of your expense is going to be. You know, can you find a church that has a has a has a room empty Monday through Friday, or somebody's house, depending on how small you are. Um, <clears throat> it's funny. I think it, it's interesting what, what what you were making me think of, Matt. Here was was in this pandemic. I think a lot of people like went to Zoom calls and they're like, "Well, this is all temporary." You know, as soon as we can get back in the office, we will. And then month one goes by, month three goes by, month five goes by, and now I have to say, if a lot of people were told be back in the office tomorrow, they'd be like, "Oh, wait a minute, this is working pretty well. I'm pretty comfortable <laughs> exactly. with this." I think this is going to happen with learning pods as well. We're going to get a lot of people that are like the parents that are convincing themselves this is temporary. I'll be able to jump back into school as soon as it's safe. And then their kids are going to love it and thrive. They'll either decide to stick with it after, after schools are reopening or they'll put their kids back in school. Their kids will become miserable. And then they'll be like, well, wait a second. We know they were happy here. They're really unhappy here. Maybe we should go back to this pod thing. Maybe we should figure this out long term. I, I'm I'm really hoping it opens a lot of families to to alternative education for the long. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good point. I know uh, someone in uh, Houston, in fact, uh, a uh, elementary principal that was approached mm -hmm. by a set of ten families, offered her a hundred thousand uh, dollars to wow. be that learning pods uh, learning coach. So. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think you're right. I, I, I don't think learning pods uh, are going to disappear once uh, schools uh, open their doors fully uh, for kids to come back. But we've got to. So that's part of what Scott and I are really interested in is how do we support families so that they can do what they believe is right for their kids? Right. So in we again, last on Saturday, we had this uh, kickoff for uh um, something we call calling the promise and the plan. And we talked about how uh, you parents, there's a continuum between the traditional school where everything is decided by adults, everything is structured and standardized. And on the other, ex other extreme is kind of a, 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 an independent learner. And we asked the parents, 
where is your child currently and where do you want them to be? And every single parent we've asked this of, Scott, we've asked this of, you know, 50, 100 people at this point, every single one say, I want to move for, for, further towards that uh, self-directed learning environment. And the pods are a way to do that. How can we, like, do you have any ideas, Scott or Tori, about how do we help more and more families, particularly families that financially are a little bit more on the margin, consider pods like this? using some of the structures you're, you're, you're describing? I think the number one thing you guys can do is help. I think, I think too many parents are intimidated by like, they see this giant school system, fancy buildings, professionally, you know, these educated teachers certified. And they're like, there's just no way I can duplicate this for my own children. They're unhappy. They're frustrated, but it's just too intimidating. This pod idea. Um, but if you really dig into it and you spend a little time with it, it's not that, I'm not going to say it's not that hard. Let's say, I mean, it is, it is, it is, there's a learning curve, no doubt, but there are support resources out there. There's the internet is amazing. Yeah. You, would, I think a lot of families, I, I would say, once you start to talk to them, the ones that have gone down this path, they'll say they were very intimate. They were essentially forced down it. They get down the road and they're like, wait, why didn't I do this earlier? This is actually pretty manageable. This is, not impossible. I don't need a master's degree to do this. I can pull the right pieces together. I know my own kids. I can find things, resources on the internet. I can find other families that want to do the same thing. It's all pretty manageable if you take it step by step and not as overwhelming or intimidating or scary as you think it is just looking at it before you've done it. Does that make right. sense? Oh, yeah. 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 And that's, you don't know my some of my history, but that was very similar to my history. We, we got pushed out of the public setting we found something called a hybrid school, which was kind of a blend of public and private. And when it came time to go back into the public school, we we're like, you know what? Let's try this for another year. And, you know, 10 years later, we're still in this <laughs> mo model and our kids are just crushing it. And then they go, they, two of the four or two of the three went back to public and they were bored silly. One uh -huh. is, is the valedictorian and was bored for pretty much four years. Uh, uh -huh. One had uh, straight A's in, in a high-performing school, HSPVA, and said, that wow. the, down, the download speed is just too slow here. Um, I'm right. enjoying it, but, you know, do I have to really have to spend 10 hours, uh, you know, a day learning? And, and she said, I want to learn other stuff. I want to go deeper. I want to learn faster. And so she ended up quitting and starting her own educational structure. So I am hopeful that families will start to realize this. the, the barriers are a lot lower than they were 10 15, you know, 20 years ago. So yeah, I just, uh, I just wrote a blog about this, that, uh, some, somehow, uh, sometime parents started to sell themselves short, uh, of what they can teach their kids. So, uh, you know, in, in the article, I've, i reminded parents, you were the, you were the ones that taught your kids how to walk, how to talk, uh, how, to, how to potty train, you know, for God's sakes, if you can teach that to your kids, um, you know, reading, problem solving, yeah. you know, especially like you said, Tori, with all of the resources uh, oh, out so there, but, but there are so many families that have just punted all of this to these places called school. Uh, and I, 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 I think that most of them didn't know uh, how bad some of these places were uh, until they started to see it over 
the computer screen uh, starting in March of 2020. And, right. Now uh, they see how the sausage is made, which is never a pretty exactly. sight. Right? <laughs> Before, exactly. it's like you're coming home and they're whining and you're like, ah, oh, kids always whine about school. I'm sure it's fine. Right. But now you see it day to day, hour to hour, and you're like, holy crap, that is miserable. Why why, why am I leaving my kids in this environment? Um, so absolutely. I, you know, if there is a silver lining to this pandemic, I'm really hoping this is it. And it's that parents are really opening their eyes to what's going on in current schools and what their alternatives yeah. are. Um, okay. I want to get to an article that you sent to us, Tori. Um, one yeah. other place, though, that I've seen that parents are really, in fact, I talked to a parent yesterday about it, really um, nervous about is getting off of the conveyor belt that leads to college and career, right? So if I if I do something different, will universities now ding my child because they didn't do the four-year high school and the, you know, the four years of, uh, uh, or two years of a foreign language and, right? Um, and our experience, I don't know if you've interacted with uh, admissions officers, is that if the, if the child's doing things that are interesting and creative, um, and they've got to have, of course, some basics of reading, writing, et cetera, math, mm-hmm. um, universities are actually more interested in those kids because the game plan that everyone else plays that's all A's, all A's, all A's. Those kids are dime a dozen now, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah. Um, it's gotten to where I, I complete agreement. I, I think I hear some of these colleges now are like, uh, everybody's got a perfect SAT score. Everybody's got a 4.0. Well, now what do we do? Like uh, they're trying to, <laughs> and it's, 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 you, you know, if you play that game, you're, 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 you're up against some really stiff competition. But as soon as you break out, they have a process for, the homeschooling track, the alternative schooling track, and actually your kid will get a much more interesting evaluation going down that track. I don't have a class rank. I don't have a GPA, but here's some test scores that show you that like I'm still, you know, I I can read and do basic math pretty well. And here's some awesome projects that I've done. Bingo. And, you know, um, I, and that kind of thing will get their attention for sure. Because, uh, and actually I would say it would, it would differentiate them in a very positive way. So, um, and we I wish inter- more parents understood that. Yeah, well, we interviewed a former admissions officer at P- Pomona who said the very same thing. Uh, we're trying mm-hmm. to get to some more admissions officers to let to let more parents know you're actually risking potentially risking more keeping them in a model that beats you know creativity out of them and causes them to compete with the m- hundreds of millions of kids in uh, in Asia in South Asia that this is the only pathway. Grades is the right. only pathway for those kids to do anything, and so they're a hundred percent in to uh, to just grades and SAT scores, right? So, all right, right, so let's change change gears a little bit. So, you sent us an article, uh, and it's called "Is This the End of College as We Know It?" Um, Wall Street Journal. Yep, yep, Wall Street Journal article. It was November fourteenth, so just a couple days ago. Um, so, I don't know if you knew that I was on the board of a couple of universities. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Public uh, in Missouri and a private here uh, here in town, Houston. Um, and so I'm going to read something from this article. So there's a, a PhD or a clinical psychologist, PhD clinical psychologist who's 33 years old, lives in Tampa, earns $94,000 a year as a psychologist and says her education wasn't worth the cost. She carries $300,000 in student debt. Another one. Um, 
Uh, yeah, another quote. I just don't see the value in a lot of what I studied, she says. Unless they have a really specific degree in mind, we'd both prefer they take a more pragmatic, less expensive route talking about their kids. What what is what's our take on this? I mean, is this is this for real? What are your what are your thoughts on this on this article? I, the, my favorite excerpt from it, it's it's basically that eighty. Our edu- if you define a success of education as how many kids are are getting through college and graduating and getting a job that requires a real college degree, it has an eighty percent failure rate, which is staggering. Right, eighty percent of kids are being killed. Um, the ballpark numbers I tell people is. Only half of high school graduates go to college. Of those half, only half finish. The other half drop out with all kinds of debt. And then of the half of the, that quarter that, that finish, only half of those actually get a real job that uses a college degree. A lot of them end up at, you know, Starbucks or elsewhere, like they're just not using their degree. Yet they have all of this debt. So uh, um, it's a really, really horribly inefficient and unproductive and damaging system, which is what the whole essence of the article is, is that the, finally the news is starting to get out about like everybody likes to talk about the winners. And, it, you know, the 20 percent of kids who do get through the whole system successfully are great winners and get great jobs and get on great career tracks. But but now there's much more potential. It's, it's much more um, consideration of the 80 percent. So, Tori, listen, I think we're, we're pretty much uh, closing down on our segment today, but um uh, I wanted to remind listeners a couple things. So, um, winschoolsnotworking.com. So you can go to that website and sign up. And yep. when you sign up, then they will they will be able to get what um, more information remind. about. It's really it'll, it'll mainly reminders for our and there's always links. So if you don't want to sign up, you can still get the link to the live session 7 p.m. Central Time on Mondays every week. We'll be there. You can just click the link and join in. It's on Facebook Live and on Zoom Live, and uh, we will take your questions. Awesome, so. awesome. So, parents, really make sure that you take folks up like this, uh, an offers like this, because information on how to change the structure of your child's education is very hard to find, and it's very, very rare that someone like Tori or Andrew or or Kath, who we interviewed last week on this show. Uh, is available for that type of conversation. So definitely take up. And then the other part is the the Be Someone app. Be Someone.app. You can go to our landing page there and check it out. Uh, if you know a teenager, please direct them to it. You know, we're that's our real target audience. Um, we'd love for them to try it out and uh, send us their feedback. would be Very fantastic. Good. Very good. Very good. Scott, any other questions before we let Tori go? No, I just, uh, I, I, I totally agree with uh, Tori about... Uh, the overemphasis on college. I was, I was in, uh, you know, the Houston school district when, uh, there was such pressure on pushing everyone to, to college and college acceptance rates and college success rates. And, uh, you know, we knew in schools that, uh, not only did not, did every kid not want to go to college, uh, college just wasn't the right fit for a bunch of kids. Uh, you know, eventually maybe, but, uh, I think Tori's spot on that, uh, the investment today, you know, compared to the return on investment, yeah. uh, parents really need to take a, a, a very careful look at that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. One of the, the craziest data points that comes out of that article is Google is now offering six month certificates on data analytics right. and it's free. And at the end of it, they'll treat it just like you have a college degree. I mean, no. how does a college compete with that? 
right? I have a Google yeah, certificate yeah. in data analytics. Like my career is set. I, <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, Tori. I, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I just remember having a conversation with a with an attorney uh, in Houston. What that attorney told me was he used very little uh, in the law practice uh, based upon what he learned in law school. Right. And so I think this credentialing, uh, what you can do, not necessarily, you know, the college that you've been to uh, is going to, uh, you know, become more prominent, you know, for many factors. The main factor is uh, colleges are just too damn expensive. Yes, they've really priced themselves out of the market. All right, realistically, so, Scott, we're going to do a we're going to do a conversation about colleges. I've been doing a lot of reading and a lot of conver- having a lot of conversations with my uh, with some friends who are still on college boards, and the the <laughs> the uh, turmoil that COVID is causing because every university now is saying, "How do we keep our doors open?" Not how do we educate kids and get them ready for the future. It's they're they're just getting taking it on the chin, um, and frankly, well deserved. <laughs> so, uh, all right, Tori, thank you so much for being on the education game. Love the work you're doing, um, and I think you know that my kids actually have been involved with the Be Someone app as well. So, thank you for that as well. I, I end up getting so much <laughs> so much out of these conversations because I get to go, oh, kids. Take a look at this, right? Uh, so, thank you for all that you've done. And is, uh, hey, Tori, this is how Matt gets all of his curriculum for his kids. He just invites right. people like you, and then steals all all of all of your ideas. He's not actually publishing this podcast. It's really just it's all a front. Well, well, my daughter's sitting right there, and my son's over here, and they just have to. They, that's the required. This is required listening for them. So, live audience. That's fantastic. That's great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate you having me on. This has been a lot of fun. Thank really you, Tori. Keep up Good the great work. Good to see you, Tori. Good to see you, Scott. Good to see you, Matt. Thanks so much. All right. Another fantastic interview and uh, really, really, really love uh, Tori. He has, uh, again, like I said, he has shared so many things with me and my kids uh, that I just take and then just, our kids, you got to do this next thing. So. All right. So, yeah, you know, what's, what's always impressed me about Tory Matt is, um, you know, you know how you meet those people and uh, they, they just really walk into the room and, and ask the question, why not? Mm. You know, why can't why can't we do something? Yeah. Tory's always been that type of thinker and um, entrepreneur really, mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, so Scott, gosh, again, I really appreciate Tori. And 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 listen, viewers, we we're going to send this article uh, from the Wall Street Journal out. Uh, you get, you need to read it, particularly the families who are thinking about college as the solution and the kind of the the pathway for their kids. Uh, so, Scott, any thoughts about uh, this interview, or want to go ahead and close it out with the uh, two minute drill? Two minute drill. That's it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I thought I thought what we what we would do for the two minute drill today is uh, for all of our uh, viewers and listeners, just sort of give them a uh, a map uh, of what we're uh, planning to do with this uh, this project called the Promise and the Plan. Good idea. Good um, idea. So uh, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, we had this great uh, launch 
uh, webinar uh, Saturday, and uh, uh, we're going to make that available to uh, pretty much anyone who wants to wants to uh, take a look at it. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, we had some uh, interested families yep. uh, that want to take the next step. Uh, and that next step is uh, a, something called a scouting report. You want to you want to share with uh, uh, the audience what what the scouting report is all sure. about, Matt? Sure. Yeah. So um, every parent that's going to try to build a plan, they have to kind of know where they start, right? So I sometimes I think about it like this, Scott. So if you're going to make a road trip to you know Washington D.C. or New York City, and you're going to drive there, you've got to have a plan. But before you develop the plan. You got to know where you are. You got to know, you know, your automobiles repair uh, circumstance, you know, you know, um, how much gas you have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, the scouting report is meant to help families start to see for the first time where their family and their child really is in learning, not in school, right? School has these evaluation uh, metrics that oftentimes don't really make much sense anymore. Like, truthfully, grades are terrible indicators of a child's ability to learn. That is that is so so parents who who rely on grades as a as a measure, they're they're going to be disappointed oftentimes. Instead, we have, you know, what 60 questions that are uh, research-based but help a parent understand where where my child is currently in their learning and where I am a, as a parent am in terms of my ability to support this child's learning. Is that, is that a good yeah, intro? Their, their, their current reality. Yeah, exactly. I think that's uh, I think that's uh, spot on. Uh, and then after uh, parents and families fill out the uh, scouting report, uh, then we're going to move forward uh, with something that Matt and I call the game plan. Yep. And uh, the game plan is intended to take a look at the next week, the next month, the next six months on what uh, your learner wants to uh, achieve uh, in the area of some very important skills, uh, reading, uh, communication, including uh, written and oral, uh, problem solving, not just math, but uh, science uh, and social studies. And then uh, one that we think is uh, probably the most uh, important, and that's character. That's right, right, Matt? That's right. Yeah, I, I, I've asked parents 100 times from Sunday, uh, you know, what is the most valuable part of learning uh, and what's the outcome you really are most after, college, career, or character? And every single parent says character. Uh, it is the thing that on which everything else is, is uh, supported. Yeah, it's uh, sort of that old uh, saying, uh, uh, what you are is more important than what you know. That's right. Right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're deep, and then, I'm 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 deep. You're deep. Uh, we're, we're right at the end. <laughs> uh, I think this two minute drill has turned into a Eight three minutes. and a half minute, <laughs> three and a half minute drill. But uh, let's don't uh, be remiss uh, by not uh, sharing with the audience that if you get to the game plan part and you're kind of struggling, Matt and I are going to put together uh, a course uh, that uh, uh, parents and families can take uh, yep. and. Uh, we're really excited about it, and uh, uh, the calendar uh, is going to be posted on uh, the website, theeducationgame.com, uh, as well as the uh, course outline, as well as the game plan, as well as the scouting report, uh, and uh, the launch webinar, right? Right, right. And so, Scott, you missed the most important part, which is we're giving the scouting report and the game plan away for free. Because yeah, I didn't we- agree to that, but... <laughs> 
Matt, uh, you. Me. Nah, I'm, I'm just kidding. I know, I know. What, what, and, and why are we giving? Why are we giving it uh, away for free? So there's a couple of reasons. One, that this is mission for us. This is actually really, really important stuff. We're trying to change how learning happens, and that we believe that's going to happen when parents start to change how they view learning in their home and learning as it relates to any institution they're partnered with. So that's for number one. Second one is we believe that once parents start to look at these questions and realize these are the questions that every parent should be wrestling with, but no one has ever asked parents these questions, we think that they're going to start saying, well, gosh, these are hard questions and I need a little bit of help. And so therefore the course makes sense for those families that want to uh, have a little bit of help in in helping to develop a plan and executing on a plan for their kids. And what's uh, for, for listeners and, and, uh, and watchers, what's the first step uh, yes. to take to get this thing started? The first step is to write my name on a $100 bill and mail it to uh, three, four, oh, that's not the first step. The first step is to complete the, uh, the, the scouting report. And once you complete the scouting report, that then sets in motion the other parts. You'll get the game plan. We'll give you some support on the game plan. If you want to take the course, great. If you don't, you can go ahead and try to run the game plan yourself. And and uh, we are going to be continue to, to put out webinars around how to fill out the scouting report, understanding of the game plan, and then, again, more information about the course as well. So thick, completing the, the scouting report is the first move. How do I get the scouting report? Scouting report is going to be on our website in a few hours to a couple yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. And then once it's on the website, you can download it, you can start, um, and then send it back to us completed. And then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, you know, take you to the next steps. We really want to help you, uh, like all families, uh, with this, uh, uh really with this mission. Yeah. Uh, and like Matt said, uh, this is, uh, this is what we do. Yep. This is what we believe in. Yep. So that's a two-minute drill, which actually <laughs> turned into maybe five minutes. Ten-minute drill, whatever. Well, that's the show for today. And I uh, want to thank Tori Gaddis uh, for being our guest. And uh, he was great, right, Matt? Great. Great guy. Great work. Yep. Hey, uh, if you uh, want to support the uh, education game, uh, there's a, uh, a group uh, of supporters called Patreon. Uh, we really appreciate all of their support, uh, and we we'd, we'd like more uh, more of you to uh, sign on to get more uh, details on on that. You can uh, reach out to either Matt or myself, or go to theeducationgame.com uh, for some more information. We want to thank Bo York, uh, who's uh, produced uh, the show today, and uh, his uh, group at uh, Pottery Studios. Uh, but most importantly, we want to thank you. Uh, for being a uh, loyal listener and watcher uh, of uh, uh, the the Education Game podcast. Uh, Next week, we'll uh, be back with uh, more interesting stories uh, around how you can help uh, your children become self-directed, independent, and lifelong learners. 